everybody today? Woo-woo! Yes! So good to be in the house of God. Doesn't matter where we are. We are the church. We are the people of God, and His Spirit dwells within us. So wherever we are and wherever, what place we come together, we unify and we connect to our God today. Um, we're going to go ahead and start this morning. If you could hear me out in the foyer, we're going to start worship this morning. Um, if everybody here, you want to stand up on your feet today, we're just going to come before God with expectation in our hearts for what he's going to do. I just, I challenge you today, just take a little bit of a further step toward him. What, whatever that means, wherever you are in your life, just take a little bit of a further step toward him today. God, we just invite you into this place. We invite you into this time. It's all about you, God. It's all about who you are in our lives. We don't seek what you do. We seek your face, not your hand. God, we just, we believe for miracles. God, we believe for the impossible. I pray that you would strengthen our faith today, that we would grow closer to you, that you would come, that you would meet us, that you would dwell with us today, Lord Jesus. We just worship you with everything that we have today, God. We thank you for this opportunity to meet in your name. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.
we just worship you today. God, we come before your throne. Not stepping into this place saying, God, move me. But stepping into this place saying, I move to you. Not expecting a show. But just wanting to experience you, Lord Jesus. Just wanting to spend a little time with you today, Lord God. God, let us not be hindered by distractions. Let us not be distracted by the things of this world, the things that can wait. There's nothing more important in this moment but you, God.
Come on, sing it out, sing.
today. God, we just want to see you. Close your eyes for a minute. I'm just reminded when the psalmist sings in Psalm 103, he says, bless the Lord, O my soul. It's a command to himself to bless his holy name. And he reminds himself. So just remind yourself right now what God does for you. He cleanses us. He heals us. He forgives us from all iniquities. He redeems our life from the pit. And that's why we sing why we sing it's because of what he's done for us so just remind yourself let's sing that verse one more time show me
Let's give the worship team a hand clap. That's awesome. How's everybody doing this morning? Everybody still partially asleep? Just waking up? Awesome. So, man, God's doing amazing work here. So I've got a couple announcements for you. Um, right now, I think we were selling out of burritos for the Desperation Conference. So let's give a hand clap there. We've got some kids going to conference. Awesome. Guys, it's such a pivotal point in a, in a young person's life in high school and junior high um, to be able to find out that, that this relationship with God isn't just something that uh, their parents give to them or that they find in the people around it, but they have to find it for themselves. So a lot of times these camps are something that really they, they can find that. So I would encourage you guys to give in that area to these kids to bless them, um, but also just to, to help them get a hold of what God wants to do here. Help them get a hold of that. Um, secondly, we're going to be having an egg filling on the 9th after church. So that means to fill eggs, we've got to have candy. <laughs> so um, make sure you're bringing candy starting today. Go pick up some after church and bring it back and just leave a little bit early. Um, or bring it up until the 9th. So the more candy we have, the more eggs we're able to give out, the better. Um, the egg hunt is actually going to be on the 16th um, after service. So a week after that, yeah, give it up. Awesome. So, guys, I mean, just prepare yourselves for that. It's, it's a time to um, begin pouring out yourself into others to have them uh, come here. Because this, this isn't just something for ourselves. This is, for some, this is something that's for everybody, um, for everyone around us. That, I mean, that's why we're here. That's why God's planted us here is to reach out. So begin just preparing yourself for that in prayer, um, but also just seeking who God wants you to bring um, so that we can just really pour out to them going up into the time of Easter. So I just wanted to share you guys um, about just a little bit about offering and what I've been seeing God do in my life. And... I mean, I, I, am, I don't have any family here in Colorado besides you guys, besides the people here at the church. Um, I left Texas a couple years ago um, during the summertime, and I came out here. And looking back, you see how much you, you just have. Um, I remember my mom would give me haircuts, or I, I would be able to wake up, and I'd have breakfast. My mom would just have that there, or um, they, they take you out to dinner or whatever. Um, you realize how much you take for granted. All that was free. Um, and now I got to have a job, got to pay for myself. Every time I want to go out to eat, I can't just call mom up and say, hey, come out here and take me to dinner. Um, so it's just things that we take for granted. Um, but there's something that's so amazing is that God provides for us, that, that we don't have to worry about the food we're going to have to eat, the, the clothes that we're going to wear. So um, something that has been speaking to me is uh, Matthew 6, 33. Uh, 633 where he says but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you but that's after he goes through all these things about giving fasting um, where he talks about how he clothes the birds of the air how he feeds them how the flowers are so beautiful and yet they wither the next day how much more does God care for us so offering we can go and come up so in that time God wants to see us give out of a, a sacrificial portion because that shows how much we trust him 
we, we don't, how, do we really trust God when we give out of our excess? Um, and so that's why he says the tithe is mine and you come to me with that. So I, I just want you to see that in yourselves today, just a, a, a personal reflection. Um, a lot of times tithe we do out of is something in which they, oh, we have to do that. But God wants to tithe out of our heart and what, what we're truly doing out of love. So I want, I want you to just do your giving out of that. I mean, don't, don't give if it's not something that's um, really coming from the heart and something that you're doing begrudgingly. Just do it out of joy. Um, and so I just, I just want to pray for the offering real quick to have these funds continue to bless this church to multiplication to the people in this community, um, but also for what God wants to do in the future because that's, that's why we're here is to continue to pour out so that people come in and, and then they're doing the same thing. They're pouring out as well. And so I just want you guys to pray with me. Um, I think too many times in the church we, we forget and we just want to watch someone do it, but we don't want to do it ourselves. I, I, know, I know I'm guilty of that. I see John get up here and he's on fire every week. I'm like, oh, I'm glad he's on fire. But am I on fire? Am I passionate about this? So I want you guys to be passionate about it as well because this is your church. This is your body. This is your family. That's what God calls us to. That's what Jesus told us. He said, go and make disciples and disciples are family because they're now being brought into as children of an heir and that's who we're children of as well. So now we're all a family. And I love the diversity here. I mean, everybody's family here, and we see that in each other, and I just want to encourage you guys with that, that God brings all these people together. How many times would we see this diverse group of people and these different people brought together but through Jesus? I just love that. So just pray with me right now. God, as we give, we give out of, out of what you've given us, that first you were sacrificed, Lord. You took that first step. And, but God, you call us to take a step as well, a step in faith. So God, in, in our money, but also in our, in our lives, God, we want to we wanna make that symbolic, Lord, when we give that, that money out of our, uh, the, the blessing that you've given us. But God, that we would take that step also with the people around us, that we would be a light. So God, that's just my prayer today, Lord, leading up to Easter, Lord, when we celebrate this time of your resurrection, that you're raising us up. Lord, that we would continue to be that light to the people around us. So God, just give us courage and boldness in that time because in your love, that's what we have. So God, just help us to love people more and love the people around us and help us to just get to know each other better so that, Lord, we continue to be that body of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Good morning. How are you guys doing? Yeah, anyone into March Madness? No? They're like, ah, yes, one person. Talk amongst yourselves for one second. All right. It's a good day. It's a good day. If you have your Bibles, please turn to Mark chapter 9. All right. I'm going to say that one more time. We celebrate the Word of God. If you have your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 9. All right. We love the Word of God. We're going to do it every week. We believe the Word of God reveals Jesus, and Jesus changes our lives. That's it. If, you, if something was revealed to you and it changed your life, you would celebrate it, right? I mean, we celebrate the Broncos. They don't change your life, right? We, uh, some people celebrate the Nuggets, all two of you, right? Uh, but we celebrate things that are important to us, and I celebrate the Bible because it's important to me, and it's important to this church. It's what, what, what we represent is Jesus 
and we believe he changes lives. Uh, if you're a guest here, my name is John. Welcome. Thank you for being here in our, in our circle, but uh, just glad that you're here. I know uh, more than anything, uh, we want a God to show up, and that's what we mean by fire fall down. Every time in the Bible, that many times in the Bible when God showed up, he showed up as fire. To Moses, he, he was a, a, a fiery bush. Then, then he was a fiery, uh, this, this torrent, this, this, uh, this big uh, pillar of fire. Then in the New Testament, when the, uh, in the upper room, the, you saw the disciples, and they were waiting on the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit came down as fire so all over the bible when we say fire fall down we don't want this place to burn down right and uh, we're not trying to like fire fall down like nelly right right you know uh but we we were like fire fall down we want your presence we want something to uh, sorry that was it's too old uh we we want god to just uh, burn in this place within our hearts that we can sense his spirit that his presence would be filled here not because his presence is somewhere far from us just because we are realizing that he's with us we are awakening our own spirit we're awakening the thing within inside of us so even right now let's just i'm going to pray and take a, a quick prayer but more than anything i want you to ask just ask god if you're here speak to my heart just close your eyes for seconds heavenly father just speak to our hearts speak to our hearts god in our struggles and the things that we question speak to our hearts i believe that your presence can quench and satisfy all the things in our hearts that we deal with all the weight of our lives that we think about all the problems could be lord god be quenched in a moment of your spirit speaking to us so fire truly fall down on us today that's what we pray in jesus name we pray amen so uh, the whole goal of our series is called meet jesus we are on i believe this is a, a message number 23 in the book of mark that's right so if you like going verse by verse this is it all right if you hate going verse by verse this is what you're doing <laughs> all right too bad i'm loving it i'm loving it right like McDonald's, all right? So we are, we are in, in meeting Jesus, and the biggest thing that we're doing, we're understanding that we are disciples of Jesus. This book talks all about the disciples of Jesus, and we too are understanding that we are disciples of Jesus, and what disciples do, they activate their faith. In, so if you're a disciple of Jesus, you're a disciple not only at church, but at school. You're a disciple at school. You're a disciple in your neighborhood. You're a disciple in your workplace. And what a disciple is that you are following after Jesus. You represent Jesus, who he is, what he did, and, and you are representing what it means to follow him. And so we're, we are uh, going back to Jesus. Uh, this is for anyone who is a Christian or who's checking this Jesus thing out. All I'm telling you is that everything that Christianity is about, I want you to erase that, and I want you to fill your mind and your heart with Jesus. Because if you don't fill it with him, we miss it. We miss it with the cultural nuances and the Christian weirdness sometimes. You can miss who Jesus is in our culture because it's not who Jesus is in this book. I want you to know who Jesus is in this book. So today's message is called Fragile Faith in a Strong Savior. And at this time, Chase is going to read uh, for us uh, ch Mark chapter 9, 14 to 29. And when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them, and scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked them, What are you arguing about with them? 
And someone from the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. And he answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy. And he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked the father, How long has this been happening to him? And he said, From childhood. And it, often, it has often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, If you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw the, that the crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out, and the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, This kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. That's God's word. Amen. All right, I'm going to break this down for you. It's called fragile faith, right? Fragile faith in a strong Savior. Fragile faith in Jesus is stronger than great faith in ourselves. Fragile faith in Jesus is stronger than great faith in ourselves. And faith is only as strong as the object that you put it on. No matter how much you feel like, oh, I'm filled with faith, it's only as strong as the object or the place that you put it on. Imagine uh, you were backpacking with me, all right? And I, I try to go backpacking once or twice a year, and it's amazing, right? I've, I've been backpacking with uh, many of you guys, one time with Caleb, and he did awesome. I heard the first time he was just crawling up the mountain. He just came from Georgia, and he was just crawling up the mountain. I, was, uh, I, I don't know if you remember Ben Thomas. He, he was not very agile, and one time we were, crawl, we were backpacking up the mountain with our 50-pound bags, and he was near a cliff, and his foot gave way, and he fell straight backwards off this cliff road, except he fell on his backpack and started sliding down and stopped. A rock actually stopped him. I was like, you almost died. He was like, I know. It was this crazy moment. But just think about it. Imagine you're near a cliff and the ground gives way and you begin to fall. And all of a sudden, as you're falling, you see this branch sticking out and you know it's strong. It's, and this branch is strong enough to hold your weight. But the only way it could save you is that you have to grab onto it, right? If you don't reach out, you're dead. If you don't reach out, you're, you're falling a long ways down. Even though you're filled with doubt that the, that the branch yeah, can hold you, you're, you're unsure that this branch can hold you. If, you, if you reach out anyway, it will save you. It doesn't matter if it's weak faith in that branch, right? It's not the strength of your faith, but the object of your faith that actually saves you. Just think about that analogy as I'm speaking through this. In the book of Mark, chapter 9, we see Jesus, Peter, James, and John. He goes up the mountain, and last week we talked about it, and Jesus shows himself as God, right? 
for the first time, they see after Peter declares, you are the Christ, Jesus is like, let me show you something. It's, it's funny. I can just imagine this. He takes his three guys, his three best friends, and he goes up to this mountain, and Jesus is like, ta-da, I am God. Like, and everyone's shocked. And Peter says something totally ridiculous. And Jesus is like, shut your mouth, Peter, all right? And then they, and they have this moment, and the, uh, Peter's so excited. I'm going to tell everyone about you, Jesus, that you are God. And Jesus says, no, don't tell anyone. And he's like, what? And then they start coming down the mountain. And, and so this is, they see Jesus in his divinity, the same Jesus in Isaiah 6, seated on the throne, high and lifted up, and his train fills the temple. That same Jesus uh, that, that, that Isaiah saw, Peter, James, and John just saw. And, 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 if you, and, and it's pretty cool because that moment in Isaiah 6, he, they, he saw Jesus because Jesus in John 18 says, Isaiah saw me, Moses saw me. And it's just interesting that he's, and he's referencing back that he is God. He's the God of the Old Testament, right? So, but, but you can't stay up on the mountain. I don't know if you know that. You can't just stay there. See, you can, you can have this mountaintop experience with God, with Jesus. You can get all pumped up. You can get encouraged and you can encounter him, but you can't stay up there. you got to come down the mountain. It's good at the top, but your life and your calling is at the bottom of the mountain. I'm telling you. It's at the bottom of the mountain. See, you have to go to the bottom. You have to come back down to the mess, into the chaos, into your hardship, into yourself. You have to face yourself and face your sin. See, I, you, but when you come down the mountain after you've gone to the mountaintop, you come down with a whole different view of God. Because you saw Jesus as he is. You have a mountaintop view of God. And that's how you're dealing with your life for just a moment. See, the women's retreat, I, I talked to many of you, it was a good time. And God used that time. It was a mountaintop time to inspire you, to speak to you ladies, to connect with you, to connect you to one another, to refresh you. But he fills us up to empty us out. He does. He fills you up. To empty you out, to pour into others, to pour into this world, to bring others up the mountain with you next time. That's why you are filled up. Why else would God fill you up? You're, because just, so, just because? Just because? Like he just, all right, I'm going to just fill you up. But just keep it to yourself, Matt. I just want you to be blessed uh, because no one wants to hurt your little feelings, right? Because that's how God is. He doesn't want to hurt your little feelings. He just wants to pamper you and cuddle you. Like, I think sometimes we think that's how we want God to treat us. But God's not like that. He says, I fill you up to empty you out. I'm not going to cuddle with you. You're going down the mountain. I showed you something. I showed you something divine. Now you go down that mountain so you can fill someone else up and you can bring them up with you. And I believe that happened at the women's uh, retreat. God fills you up to be emptied out, to be filled up again. That is the rhythm of faith that we should be living. But if we are just wanting to be filled up, to be filled up, to be filled up, to be filled up, at some point, man, you're going to die, <laughs> right? some point, you're going to just think that that's your relationship with God is about you and about me. And, and I find myself in those places where I just think, oh, why, wh what about me, God? Right? You're blessing Gino and Micaiah. What about me? Well, you're, you're doing this for them. What about me? And we focus, we think that our relationship with God is in the wrong place. Our object of faith is in the wrong place. Our object of faith is us. And when you are, you make a weak object of faith. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about that. So now Jesus and these three guys, they come down into a bickering disciples versus the scribes. They're bickering at each other. They're yelling at each other. And in the middle of all this is a weary father. 
And this father, he is broken, right? This is not just like, hey, Jesus, do something. It's not like this fake moment. This is father. I don't know if you've ever been a parent of a sick child. If you've ever been a parent of a sick child, there is such brokenness in you. There's such anger. I don't know even know how to describe it. I was talking to Candace. I said, each of our children had some sort of crazy emergency. I said, no more children. <laughs> because it's so stressful, right? But in this moment, you guys know, you, you guys are parents of a, have been a parent of a sick child. You guys are going to the Make-A-Wish now, right? And, and continue to pray for Angel and Rosie and, 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 and that family. But if you're a parent of this sick child, sometimes you're weary. Sometimes you're tired. You're tired of going through this. Or if you're a person dealing with chronic sickness, you're tired. And you're saying, God, why? God, why? I know, Ashley, you're going through some tough times physically, and, you, and I'm sure there's moments you're like, God, uh, stop this. Why? Why this? Why this? And, and you get weary. But this child, and it's even harder if it's your child. You're like, I understand if it's me, but when it's my child, you, understand, you, 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 you hurt deeper. You struggle physically. You're like, they're physically suffering, emotionally suffering, spiritually suffering. And the, and the disciples, they're, they're, they said this, I got this. And I, I'm going to handle this for you, right? But they couldn't. So Jesus had to intervene in that moment. Jesus couldn't heal this child because he was up the mountain with Peter, James, and John. And the disciples come up and they're prideful and they're like, I got this. I got this. But they couldn't do it. And he had to, Jesus had to take control to heal this son. And when the dust cleared, the disciples asked, why couldn't we cast out that demon? Why couldn't we do this, Jesus? And they were confused, humiliated in the crowd. Have you ever been humiliated because you've done something before, but you couldn't do it again? Right? I got this. I got this. Have you ever done that before? Right? See, in Mark chapter 6, the disciples, Jesus said, I give you authority to cast out demons. I give you authority to heal sickness. So the disciples went out with the authority of Christ, and they, and they casted out demons. And, they, and, and, and so in Mark chapter 9, they thought they could do it again because they've done this before, right? I've done this before. I, I know how to, uh, this is done. But it was different this time. And Jesus is right here teaching them a lesson, and a lesson we need to learn today and every day. Verse 28 says, after Jesus has gone indoors with his disciples, after he healed this child, the disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive out this demon? And he replied, this kind can only come out by prayer, right? And Jesus is revealing something. How much faith they had in themselves and how self-reliant they were. He said only prayer could drive out this type of demon. He didn't say longer prayers. We think sometimes as Christians or if you've been in the church for a long time, I need to pray better prayers, right? I need to pray more extravagant prayers, prayers that sound awesome, right? I want to pray like Tino. I want to pray like Mo. I want to pray like Madison. I want to pray like them because they sound good when they're praying. I sound like I'm a child as I'm praying, right? And so he doesn't say longer prayers or more passionate prayers or prayers with your WWJD like headband on, right? Like you got, oh, I got my WWJD headband on. It's prayer time. You're, you're, not, you're not Christian LeBron ready for prayer, right? right? You don't need all that. And, and, and so he's asking, you don't need to ask the pastor to pray. Look what Jesus says. No, he says this, you should have prayed. That's what he's telling the disciples. You should have prayed. What are you doing thinking that you got the power? You got this. What are you thinking? Because they hadn't prayed at all. That's why he said, he's like, you know how this works? You pray to God. And they're like, oh, we, we didn't think of that. 
Isn't that funny? You're with Jesus all this time. You see him pray all this time. And then when trouble comes, you're like, I got this. And Jesus comes down and is like, you idiot. Like, just pray. You should have prayed on this one. And they're like, oh. They thought, I've done this before. Let me show these people what's up. I, I, you know, I got the power this time. Let me do this. I can imagine the disciples, oh, let me show you. Them, one, you know, trying to one-up each other, showing each other how awesome they are. But listen, their lack of prayer was evidence of their lack of faith in Jesus and their strong faith in themselves. And listen, this, this is true for us. Our lack of prayer is evidence of our lack of faith in Jesus, but strong faith in ourselves. Our lack of prayer is evidence that we have strong faith in ourselves and weak faith in Jesus. You and I don't pray when we think we can handle the situations. Isn't that true? You, we don't need to pray. I got this. I, I, you don't need to pray. I got this. I, let me control this. We think I got the power now. It's John time. John, Pastor John's here. I'm going to take care of business. That's all garbage, guys. The power is the object of faith. Yet we see that strong faith in a fragile sa Savior means nothing. And most of the time, our fragile Savior is ourselves. We make ourselves the savior of our story it's funny every time then we find out later when we go through a hardship all right you're the savior of our story then i like when things get better i am now the savior let me take over it's it's john time i got my my headband on right see it's so interesting that we do that and and and, and we try to save ourselves or save other people through our savior mentality and and the more of me you need more of me in your life that's what you're lacking right but uh, that's true in my story and probably true in your story. I remember in college, right, I used to tell myself I'm in control all the time. I got this. I, I, anyone say, I got this, right? I'm in control. Yeah, I got this. I'm in control. And I used to say this in college a lot. I, this is funny. I'm 18 now. I'm a real boy, right? I'm a real man now. I got hair on my chest and everything, which is not true, right, because I'm Asian, all right? But we think, we turn a certain age, we're like, mm, I got this. I'm in control now. I'm in control now. It's John time, right? And, and I remember in college, I used to think that, I got this. I got this. I'm an adult now. I can party a little bit. I can get high a little bit. I'm not out of control. My anger's not out of control. My lust isn't out of control. My drinking's not out of control, even though I drink every night and every moment that I could, right? It's not out of control. Don't worry. I got this. Listen, you're in trouble when you have to convince yourself you're in control. Isn't that true? When you keep on telling yourself, it's still going to be okay. I got this. I'm in control. That, is, uh, that should be a warning light in your mind that you are not in control, that things are not going good. When you've got to convince yourself and tell yourself, I'm good. I'm okay. Keep breathing. You're doing great, John. You're in control, John. You got this right? Because the truth is, I was absolutely out of control. My life was spiring out of control, and I found myself in a place saying this, how did I get here? There's many of us who have said that. We find ourselves in a place, and we, we're about to be in big trouble, and then we say, how did I get here? How did I get here? If I tell you the mo most of my story, I have so much of my story that I'm just like, how did I get here? I was crazy. I lost my mind at that age of 20 to like 23. Just like, I was gone. I was doing some dumb stuff in my life. And, I, and that's why I'm always amazed that God has me as a pastor. I'm like, this is funny. They don't even know, right? 
they don't even know how insane I was. There was so many moments in my life I was like, I'm going to prison right now. <laughs> and I'm like, thank God the police just went that way. And I, I was like, what am I doing with my life? How did I get here so quickly? One, two, three decisions can absolutely change your life. That's why I tell people we are one decision away from ruining your life. So when you think you're confident in yourself, I got this. I'm telling you, you are just one decision from ruining your marriage, one decision from losing your job, one decision from ruining your friendship, one decision away. You aren't, you aren't that awesome. You can't save yourself. That's what I'm trying to tell us. I, how did I get here? I couldn't save myself. I couldn't stop what I was doing. I hated what I was doing, but I couldn't stop. I couldn't change direction. I couldn't heal myself. I couldn't stop my addiction. I don't know if you've been there, but I, we make horrible saviors. We do. We make horrible saviors. When things are good, this is just our mentality. This is just our flesh. We say, I did that. When things are good, Jason, when oh, life is good and things are together, we're like, man, I did this. Look how I'm doing with my family. I got this together. And then when things are bad, you're like, why, God? Why'd you do this to me? What are you trying to teach me? It's so funny. We flip like this, right? Or we blame someone else. I blame my dad. Or I blame the situation. I blame our culture. I blame my finances. I blame this. I blame my boss. And we can go on and on and on but saying, and this is true in marriage. I, I blame my spouse. It's her fault that we're like this, right? As long as you're blaming someone else, you can't deal with it, right? As long as you're dealing. And that's why I say this. Who lies to you more than you? Who has hated your soul more than you? Who has led you down the wrong direction more than you? Let's not fool ourselves of the evil that is really in our hearts without Christ. We are far from God. That's why he came to us. That is the cross. That is the cross. Faith is only as strong as the object you put it in. So my point is faith Fragile faith in a strong Savior. You see it up there. Verse 21 says this, And Jesus asked his father, How, asked this father, How long has this been happening to this boy? And he said, From childhood. And it has often cast him into the fire water to destroy him. But if you can, Jesus, if you can do anything, Jesus, just anything to make this better, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, If you can, I like this, he assass. That's how I see it. What do you mean if you can? If you can, what do you mean? All things are possible for the one who believes. And immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, but help my unbelief. And I love this part because it's so honest, right? Because so many times Jesus says, if you can, all things are possible. And we're like, we lie to ourselves. I believe now. All of a sudden, I use my Christian voice or... Like, I believe, right? I, you tell my, I'm going to tell myself I believe, so I believe. I'm going to pump myself up. I believe. You're believing in yourself again to pump up your own faith, right? I love what this man says. I believe, I think, but help my unbelief. I want to believe. I'm trying to believe, but help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. I love this man's honesty. He's not faking it to make it. He, he doesn't have tons of faith in Jesus. He's not amening or hallelujah or father godding, right? No, he says, he says, I want to believe, but I can't believe. Your disciples failed. I don't know about you, but if you're like your disciples, you're going to fail. And it's been like this for years. All of us is something like this, right? We've, we've come to God like this in moments. If you would be honest, some of our prayers sound like this. We want to believe, but honestly, we don't. 
we say things like, and so instead we say things like this in, in a very glum way. And when we pray to God without, you know, because we, we, we're, our faith is not all pumped up. When we pray to God, we say things like, if it's your will, if you can, Jesus, I know you're busy, but if you can. And it's true, it is God's will. But I wonder if we pray this way due to our lack of faith on Jesus, because we're putting our low expectations on him, our limits on him. And we don't want to be let down. So we prepare ourselves and say, if it's your will. Not really because we believe if it's your will, but we believe we don't want to be let down. To be honest, it's easier for me to pray for a miracle for you than for myself. I don't know why it's this way. I think that's why we need one another. It's easier to pray for a miracle for my family, uh, for, uh, for you than my own family, for myself, for my mom, for my wife, right? I don't know why I lower my expectations as if God is limited when I'm really feeling this way and I put my limitations on him so I downplay my prayers and I say things like, if you can, Jesus, if it's your will. But really I'm saying is, I believe, but help my unbelief. I want to believe. I'm trying to believe, but help me, Jesus. This is the honest struggle of faith this is and it's okay does jesus all, all then turn around and say i'm sorry your faith is too weak you are not at level yet you were not you didn't you're not on christian level five so you once you get there clean yourself up and memorize enough verses then come back to me does he do that no he doesn't do that at all in this in this father's lack of faith jesus responds with greater mercy that's, it's beautiful. Think about this. Even with this little amount of faith that, that this man took to even get to Jesus, in honesty, this tiny, microscopic, like, atomic-sized faith that, that he wanted his son's healing, Jesus said, I'm healing your son. And I just want to tell you, you, we need to understand who God is, and we serve a merciful God. We do. We serve a merciful God. Don't miss this. It's not the strength of your faith, but the object of faith that actually saves us. It's the object. It's not the quality of your faith. It's the object of your faith. It's not us and our great faith. It's Jesus and his great mercy. Even the weakest faith has access to Jesus. Faith, not perfection. Honesty, not religiosity. So number one, no, prayer, not perfection. Prayer, not perfection. Honest prayer shows that we don't have the power. When we're really honest in our prayer, right, Jesse, we don't have the power. We, we say, God, you have the power. God, we need you in this situation. So on, we pray honest prayer. Just, just come to God like this Father's prayer, the weakest prayer in the Bible ever. If you've ever read a weaker prayer, I don't think there is any in this Bible, right? He has the weakest prayer in the Bible, yet Jesus heard him and responded, faith is nothing more than crying out for help. Faith is not powerful in itself. I'm going to say that again. Faith is not powerful in itself. It's powerful when it's placed on Jesus. It's activated when it's placed on Jesus. Even our weak faith has access to great power in Jesus. Number two, honesty, not religiosity. I love that word religiosity. Who ever says that, right? Honesty, not religiosity, right? Honest prayers, just honest prayers. Just talk to God. 
when you come, when you're going to pray, just approach God where you're at in reality, in your humility. You don't need to be, use all the Christianese, all right? You don't need to use it. Thou art, you know, you don't need to go old, old King James on us. Hallelujah, amen, Holy Father, blessed King. You don't need to do all that, right? Just do honest prayer. Be yourself in your own words. There's no need for pride in prayer. You don't need to one-up someone else's prayer. You're like, man, that, that, that person prays awesome. So you're trying to copy a human. Like you, Jesus is like, prayer is easy, right? Father who is in heaven, man, bless your name. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be. He tells you how we need to pray, right? Just easy prayer in your own words. There's no shame in honest prayer. And like the disciples, you and I will come face to face with evil, both in this world and in ourselves. We will. And at some point, we will be powerless to overcome. But just like this fragile father's faith, faith in the valley looks a lot like running to Jesus. And I want to tell you this, when you're weak, when you're struggling, when you have questions, when you're in doubt, when, you ever, when, when your world is shaking, and I'm telling you, if you're good now, at some point your world is going to be shaking. It just is. That is the flux of life, right? It goes up, it goes down, it goes, it, it, your world will shake some, at some point. And I know, you're like, That's why I don't do name it and claim it stuff, man. Like, I just need to tell myself it's going to be good, then it's good. That's faith in yourself. We have faith in Christ when it's up, when it's down, in hardship, in good times. In, in, the, in the up and down of life, you, God wants us to go through the ups and down of life. Because you're no good if you're just faking it all the time. Have you ever talked to someone that just always feels like they got it together and they don't want to share anything real? You don't really want to share anything to them. Because they're going to tell you, oh, just all you need to do is say these magic words. It's like, it's interesting. We have magic prayers for everything. Instead of going to Jesus like this father, broken, and saying, I believe, Jesus, but I don't. <laughs> Help my unbelief. Help me. I don't get it sometimes. I, but I think I believe. No, I don't. I'm like, this guy's crazy. And yeah, you're crazy sometimes, but it's okay. Come to Jesus that way as who you are, where you are, in your struggles, in your pains, in your shaking, when you're scared. Run to Jesus. Cry to Jesus. Pray on his prayers. Go to him often and daily. Prayer shows that your need for God. So if you're praying a lot, you understand, all right, I understand my need for God, right? And, and, and if we're going to be an honest church people, right, not a church location and the honest church people we have to be a praying church i'm asking you pray for the church pray for those who are going through hardships praying for those who are losing their jobs pray for those who are hurting in marriage pray for those who are far from god be a praying church pray for yourself when's the last time you prayed god i'm struggling in my own faith and i just i just want i'm picking and choosing what i want to believe right what can we be honest with god in moments like this, those are the moments we need to stand with honest faith. And he will answer our honest prayers. He will when we come to him. God, I'm hurting. I'm hurting. I, I, think, I, I think about so many people in this room who have lost loved ones this year. 
or last year, and they're hurting, and they don't need to just smile and think, say things are good. That's why we need you guys to pray for them and reach out for them. I, I was praying for Debbie this week, and I just told her, I'm praying for you, Debbie. I love you. And sometimes she just needs to hear a voice from you. To say, I'm praying for, be the people of God. Be the family of God. There's people in this room that need you. We're not all perfect. We're not, and some of us are crazy, but you accept your crazy uncle. Accept our crazy, like, church people too, man. Accept us. We're all, we're crazy too, and it's okay. It's okay. And I want you to reach out because that, and I want you to pray because as you pray for Debbie, as you pray for Jim and Pam, as you pray for Rosie and Angel, as you pray for one another, as you pray for those who are going through a hardship, as you pray for Marie's mom, Pauline, and I just write these names down, who's going through cancer right now, who's reaching out to Pauline and Marie. I hope that in the middle of the week that you guys do, we open up our lives to understand that we don't stand alone. I don't want anyone in this room to say I'm standing alone. That's why there's honesty amongst one another, right? We, we're honest because it says in the book of James, chapter 5, confess your sins to one another so that you may be healed. How can we be healed if we can't even confess to one another, if we can't be real with one another, if we can't even be real with Jesus? And we have these made-up prayers. I was talking to someone last night, and they said, my wife just told me I pray the same prayer all the time. And they said, why do you pray the same prayer all the time? And he, he said, I feel so convicted. It's because I do it automatically. I don't even think about it. It's not honest prayers. It's just praying. So I pray today, let's stand. As a church family, and as they're getting ready for the communion, they're going to start passing that out. Be a praying church, guys. Prayer reveals that your need for Jesus. That's it. Praying is no secret formula or anything like that. It is your need for Jesus. Your need for Jesus. Your need for Jesus. I'm praying for you, Teresa. I pray for you. And I think of you guys. I pray for you, Paul. And when, when you, your guys' car broke down, we prayed for you. We, we asked how we could help you. We pray for you guys. But I pray that we vocalize and we tell them and we are aggressive about loving our family members in this place and outside these walls. That's what prayer really is. It's a cry to God for somebody or for yourself. Stop carrying all that junk. You can't carry it. I prayed for you, Jax. I prayed for you, Colin. You know, I prayed for you, Cypress. You know, I, I pray for you guys. I pray for your family. Because I think of it, you guys. And, I, and as we understand, just, man, that's why you need to get into a life group or get to know each other. We can't, don't just come here and leave. Get to know one another. Not because you don't need it, because they might need you. They might need you. You have things in your life and you've been through. You got wisdom that I need so bad. You got love for things that I need so bad. I need wisdom from you. Let us not say I'm just here to, to receive something. Let's go with an understanding. I got something for them. I got something for this body. They need you. They need you. They need you, Sean. They need us. And as we understand that, we become the family of God. That's what we become. Stop carrying all that junk. Cry out to Jesus. Your stress is killing you. And let me speak to church people today. How can we take people to Jesus if we're not praying? Meaning, how can we take people to Jesus if we ourselves don't believe we need him? Right? For our city, for those far from him, 
for hurt by religion, hurt by life, needing direction. I pray this week, take honest moments with honest prayer. Just quiet your soul for a moment. Even right now, just quiet your soul for a moment. And just pray an honest prayer. It could be five words. I need you, Jesus, now. God, help me, please. I'm confused, God. I don't know what to do with my kids. They're driving me crazy. God, I need you to give me wisdom for my marriage. God, I need to experience you today. I feel dry. I need that fire that they've been singing about to truly show up in my life. You don't have to wait for all doubts and fears to go away. Take hold of Jesus like that branch. Don't make the mistake of thinking that you have to be perfect and all cleaned up to, uh, to come to Jesus. That's you trying to save yourself again. Clean yourself up again. Jesus already did that on the cross. He paved the way and made you right, holy, took care of your sin so that you could have full access to God. So it's not the strength of your faith, but the object of your faith that actually saves you. As we take our cup, I just want us to just think about it. It represents, just, it represents what Jesus did on the cross. I'm going to read you one last verse in 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. And I love this verse. This is like my verse, right? This is Paul, right? And he's, he heard from God. He says, but God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. I'm enough for you. My, I, I, I am your portion, for my power is made perfect in weakness. You would think that God's power is made perfect in our power, but he says, no, it's made perfect in your weakness. Then, then Paul says, therefore, I boast all the more gladly about my weakness. I'm going to tell you how weak I am so I can tell you how good God is. That's what he's saying. And then, and then verse 10, he says, that's why, for Christ's sake, I delight in my weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Who could stop a man or a woman who understands that secret of life? When I am weak, then I'm strong, because I'm strong in you. The night Jesus was betrayed, he took the cup and he said, this is my blood that was poured out for you. And he says, do this in remembrance of me. Let's take the cup together. Let it cleanse you, man. It is a representation of Christ. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. Woo! Let it, re let it remind you of the cross. Let it move your heart, man. same night he took the bread and he broke it and he said this is my body that was broken for you so that you could be made whole do this as you take this do this in remembrance of me let's take the bread together
Jesus, I believe, but help my unbelief. I pray for those in this room that maybe just are struggling in faith or struggling in life. I pray we come to you honestly, I believe, but help my unbelief. And I pray for those who are strong today in you, because our object is you. And we say, Let me, how can I help you? How can I walk with you? Let that be the gift of the church. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. God bless you. Thank you for coming. And man, let's give God praise. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. God bless you, guys.